Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, a big night for Olsen. Bad take by Pro Football Focus and positive trending. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting hard as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So it was a big night uh, for not just the Braves. Obviously, they cut their lead. Uh, in half for their magic number. They do win seven to six. They hand old Craig Kimbrell the uh, the loss uh, last night. But early on in the game, Matt Olson ties the record with Andrew Jones for most home runs in a single season by a Braves player as he hit his 51st home run in the fourth inning off of Zach Wheeler. And now he's up to 51 homers and 128 RBI and what an accomplishment and look in just his second season and and it wasn't a disappointing year for Matt Olson but in some ways it was a year that maybe we looked at and said okay this could be even better you know he had some struggles defensively at times he got into some real funks and ruts and things like that and we were looking like okay I mean again we've got him here for the long term he's our new first baseman and things should improve. Well, second year, now we're looking at 51 home runs. And I had Chris Willis from Battery Power on my show last night, on my radio show last night. And he was talking about the idea of this may be the quietest 50 home run season that the media has ever, you know, talked about. You know, it ha- and in fact, it hasn't been probably talked about enough. And probably part of that is because Ronald Acuna Jr. is having an MVP season. And, and just is doing things that we've just never seen before with the combination of the power and the speed. And he's doing everything. I mean, he's playing on the field and he's doing this and doing that and everything like that. So again, this has been probably in a lot of ways, the quietest 50 home run season that we've seen in modern baseball times. And, you know, I don't want to take advantage of the idea of, you know, we take advantage of the fact that, well, you know, it's a home run strikeout sport, you know, nowadays. 51 homers is 51 homers. And with 140, I think there's 17 games left now. Let's put it that way. 117 games left. Look, there's a legitimate shot. Even if Matt Olson gets some rest and things like that, with the way he's hitting, there's a definite shot to get 60 homers this year. Now think about that. I mean, how crazy is it to think that we have a first baseman that's trending towards 60 homers and about 140 RBI. And it does make me wonder, we all think that Ronald Acuna Jr. is the MVP of the league. I think it really comes down to, at this point, it's Ronald Acuna Jr. or Mookie Betts. Like everybody is in the national media is comparing those two guys. Has Matt Olson worked himself up to fourth, third? I mean, again, I think that the four candidates for MVP of the league, 
Ronnie, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson. Like, I think it's pretty clear that that's the top four guys that are in the MVP race, right? Is Olsen a guy that can get to third, second, you know, whatever? I mean, certainly we think that in the national media, I, I, I certainly think that Ronald Acuna Jr. has had a remarkable season, and, and he's been just outstanding. And I'll say both at the plate and in the field as well, and then obviously on the base, path, base paths as well. You know, he's been a complete player all the way around. It's not just been the power aspect of uh, his game, whatever. It's been the speed and the power and the batting average and his defense. And that's why I think that Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to win his first gold glove this year too. Because again, when you combine everything that he has done this year, I think personally, I think Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna Jr. should be two of the three outfielders that win gold gloves this year. But we'll see what happens, you know, and all of that. But it is interesting to think about how high can Matt Olson get? How much does his season get valued along with Ronnie's? And I don't think that there's going to be a split vote per se. I do think with Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, you will see a split vote amongst voters with those two guys. But I do think that people look at Ronnie as more of an MVP candidate than even Matt Olson. But there's no reason why Matt Olson couldn't finish third in the MVP voting. There's no reason why he couldn't finish ahead of Freddie Freeman with the year that he has had. So, again, it's a great accomplishment for him. And, look, you start talking about numbers that 60 homers and 140 RBI. And, you know, again, we, we start throwing those numbers around like they're just, again, stratomatic numbers and things like that. But these are real numbers that he's putting up. <laughs> These are these are the real life numbers that he is is put up this year, and again, it's why we talked about yesterday. Just with all of these accomplishments and all of these things that the Braves have done, and and all of this goodwill that has been built up, this is why you have to take advantage of these kinds of seasons. These seasons don't come along very often. Look, if Matt Hol if Matt Olson next year has forty two homers and 118 RBI, are we going to look at that as a bad season? Well, it was 60 last year. Again, nobody's going to pace at 60 homers over the course of their career. I don't care how good you are. Like, it just, it doesn't happen. So, again, you, you figure that he probably regresses back to the mean. You know, most guys just don't even hit, you know, again, Sosa, you know, McGuire. I mean, those are the rare exceptions where you're talking about 50 homer seasons back-to-back -back years. I don't even know if McGuire or Sosa did 50 homers in back-to-back -back years, but that's like the first guys you think about, even more than Bonds. So again, it's a remarkable accomplishment for what he's been able to do. And, and there's been so many things. I mean, look, again, we've talked about the bottom of the order, the seven, eight, nine hitters. You're turning that lineup over. You're putting guys on base you're putting guys in scoring position to give Matt Olson more of those opportunities. You've had Ronnie with the miraculous year that he has had, and Ozzy's had a monster year. I mean, again, we go up and down this lineup, and it feels like seven runs is just the minimum number that we're going to score. 
and it's somebody different every night. It's the bottom of the order. It's Ronnie. It's Ozzy. It's Riley Homerun. Matt Olson's been consistently homering this year. And look, he's gotten into his little funks and different things like that, but it's been a remarkable season all the way around. And I'm going to be curious to see, you know, again, once this division is clinched up, I mean, the, the Braves could theoretically clinch. To, well, they can not just theoretically. They could clinch tonight. Magic numbers down to two. They win tonight, then then it's Katie bar the door and the division's over with. We're still talking about division not being over or whatever, but division's over at, at this point. So it would be interesting to see if they allow Matt Olson to continue to play and stay hot and get himself to 60 homers. Now he's got the record and, he, and he's got the record tied. He's going to pass the record. That's not, that's the fate accompli, but do you let him, you know, again, he's in the middle of a hot streak right now and bashing the ball all over the place. Do you allow him to kind of go for 60? Again, the Bra at this point, Braves are in the playoffs. The division's over. They're what? Six and a half games up of the best record in the league with 17 to play. Everything has kind of come together. So I'm not worried about the team aspect of it, but now you start looking at individual goals and say, Hey, look, you know, can, can you, can Matt Olson get to 60 home runs be a hell of an accomplishment for a guy. And look, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's thinking about it. I mean, again, team success and all that aside, I'm sure he's thinking about the idea of, Hmm, Maybe we can get, maybe I can get to 60 home runs out of all of this. Be a remarkable feat. I mean, if he can get to 60 homers and again, he'll probably be somewhere if he's got 60 homers, if he's hitting nine more homers, you would think that he'll be probably somewhere at least 140 plus RBI. So the MVP voting is going to be fascinating when it comes down to all of this. I still think that Ronnie <clears throat> is the MVP of the league. I think that Mookie Betts, is a guy that probably finishes second because there's a lot of push for him in the national media. You know, he's one of the darlings of the national media and he plays for the right franchise, but there's no reason why Matt Olson couldn't be third in the MVP voting for all the good that Freddie Freeman has done this year. And he's had a remarkable season. You start talking about 50 plus home runs, almost 60 homers. And you start talking about 140 RBI and all that kind of stuff. And again, that that's hard to overlook as far as the MVP goes. So we'll see what happens, but that will be a fun, fascinating uh, discussion to be had. All right. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel and listen, FanDuel's got a great deal going for you right now. So if you're a new customer to FanDuel, sign up now and bet $5 and you're going to get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's right. Bet five bucks, $200 in bonus bets. Plus, all customers who bet the $5 are going to get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. It's now the best time to join FanDuel. Get in on the action on the NFL. It's super easy to use. It's safe. It's secure. And look, you can bet on everything from player points or player uh, spreads, uh, player props, I should say, point spreads and everything in between. So head to FanDuel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n and kick off the nfl season with an offer you're not going to want to miss five dollar bet two hundred dollars in bonus bets hundred dollars off nfl sunday ticket fanduel.com 
slash locked on, fanduel.com slash L O C K E D O N. Fanduel's the official partner of the NFL. So, Pro Football Focus went in and was grading out all of the first round picks after week one of the season. Okay. I mean, they, they do all these analytical things and stuff like that. Bryce Young had a 31.4 grade, you know, CJ Stroud, 55 to, and they go through all the list. But what bothered me about when they got down to Bijan Robinson and look, there is a lot of bias, you know, for, certain players with pro football focus like they think that they can't understand some of the reasons why that some of these things are not different okay but Bijan Robinson at number eight um overall rookie grade is 71.2 that was um second uh they say his principal opponent was Shaq Thompson uh, okay whatever um 32 snaps in week one but here's the write-up that that bothers me okay because this tells me that they don't really understand the Atlanta Falcons, okay? Robinson's Robinson's Atlanta debut was electric despite him being in a timeshare with Tyler Algier. Okay. Robinson finished today with 83 total yards, five forced missed tackles, and a touchdown. The Falcons are keen on taking advantage of Robinson's receiving ability as he lined up as a receiver on 10 of his 32 snaps. Conventional wisdom may see Algier as an obstacle to Robinson's opportunities, but the Falcons are already finding a way to succeed with both. Okay, here's the problem, okay? And we've talked about this a few weeks ago, and if you're a Falcons fan, you know and understand all of this. Tyler Algier is not going anywhere. He's a thousand yard rookie running back that you got massive value for and was averaging five yards an attempt last year. He's going to be your bell cow back in a lot of ways. And, and you're not going to, first off, you're not going to go out there and run Robinson 25 times in a game. He, he's going to, they don't use their rookies that way. Okay, first off, they're going to use him all over the field. They've said that before. Again, positionless football. They talked about all of that before the start of the season. But Tyler Algier is not going away. Like you're not going to not use Tyler Algier and sit him in lieu of giving Robinson more carries. You're going to put both of those guys on the field and line them up at different positions. But we talked about this. Rob, you know, Algier in a lot of ways is going to be your primary back. And that's not a knock against Robinson, but they've been so fixed. Pro football folks have been so fixated on, well, well, Robinson can lead the league in rushing. No, he's not going to lead the league in rushing. Not because he doesn't have the ability, not because he's going to get benched. They're not going to bench Tyler Algier. They're not just going to arbitrarily sit Tyler Algier and not play him. He's an incredibly productive player. 15 carries, 75 yards, two touchdowns. Like, I'll take that every week for my lead back. I give me, give me 75 yards and two touchdowns every week. And they ran for a combined 131 yards with all the, and, and not even counting all the, the pass yards and all the kind of stuff and the six catches that Robinson had. They ran for 131 yards. 
They're not going to just give one guy. This is not Derrick Henry. It's not one guy that's going to get 40 carries and tack, and, and tack the load on. And it's not necessarily running back by committee either. Like, it's not that kind of thing. But when you read these dumb things about, you know, well, you know, he was in a timeshare with Tyler Algier. No, Tyler Algier is still the lead back on this team. Well, you know, they're, they're, uh, some folks may see uh, Algier as an obstacle. Not if you're a Falcon fan. There's no obstacle about Tyler Algier. He's a terrific running back. And you're going to take advantage of him, and he's only in his second year. You're going to use him a lot primarily as the main guy who runs the football, hence 15 carries. Now, again, Robinson got the 10 carries and the six touch. So, again, he was your leading touch guy, but he might not be your leading rush guy. But they've been so fixated on the idea of, well, 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 well Robinson can lead the league in rushing. He's not going to lead the league in rushing. And that's nothing to do with Robinson or poor coaching or whatever. They're not going to throw their rookies in like that. They're not going to give him 25 carries a game. He's going to split time to keep everybody fresh and healthy. And he's also not going to play a conventional running back role at times in this offense. It's going to be putting as many weapons on the field. Again, the most important thing that happened on Sunday was three for three in the red zone. We've talked about this for months. You have to score touchdowns. When you have Algier and Robinson and Smith and Pitts and London and Hollins and this and Patterson and this and that and that, you have to score touchdowns. And that's what the primary goal is. That's the important part. Three for three. Robinson caught the touchdown pass. Algier had two runs in the end zone. That's what you're looking for. So when we read these things about stumbling blocks or a timeshare with Tyler Algier, it's dumb. You don't know the Falcons at this point. You don't understand what the Falcons are and who they are and what their identity is. We don't have, again, I told you that the hot take is going to be they're going to have two 1,000-yard rushers. Mark my words. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll admit it but they're going to have two 1,000-yard rushers. That doesn't mean that they one guy has to be more productive than the other. They're both outstanding running backs, and that's the thing they keep missing is they want him to lead the league in rushing so bad so they can be right in their prediction. But it's not going to happen, not because he's not talented, but because of the way they run their offense, that there's going to be plenty of carries for Tyler Algier. And in a large part, He's going to be the lead guy that runs the football and sets the tone for everything else about the rushing offense. All right, as you're listening to Hitting Hard, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. We do thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community, and we do thank you for that. Let us know, though, on whatever podcast platform that you listen on, that you're an everyday or listening in five days a week to the show. So good news coming out of uh, Flowery Branch um, over this last day or so here, and not just the fact that they uh, that they won, but um, Arthur Smith talking about both Cordero Patterson and Jeff Okuda says that they're both trending in the right direction. Um, he said 
Patterson and Okuda keep trending in the right direction. We'll see what Wednesday looks like for both of those guys. So again, there's a definite hope that both of these guys can end up playing on Sunday. You know, it doesn't feel like that Patterson's got anything long-term that is going to hold him out. And, And look, it's another guy that is going to take some carries, take some of the load in this rushing offense, and he's probably going to play all over the field, slot receiver, out wide, this, that, and the other. It's just more weapons that we, we we're going to use. Now, the one that really is going to be interesting to see is Jeff Okuda. And I thought Trey Flowers did some nice things. He was picked on a little bit. But again, the, the wide receivers for Carolina are not very good. DJ Chark didn't play. He was their best wide receiver. And obviously, they they lost more from last year, right? I mean, so they they don't have a lot of good skill position people around Bryce Young. So I don't want to say it was easy to take away those guys, but it was kind of easier to take away some of those guys. Now we'll see again when it comes to this week. Jordan Love was outstanding for the Packers. They were outstanding. I mean, we talk about teams that had real surprise kind of wins and things like that. Um, when we talk about week one of the NFL and, and whose stock was up and this and that Jordan love and the Packers stock was immensely high. Like that was one of the more surprising wins, not because they beat the Chicago bears, but they absolutely drubbed the Chicago bears. Like they absolutely crushed the souls of the Chicago bears. That game was 38, 14. Um, and they got a junk touchdown, you know, out of it to make it 38, 20, but by and large, they were hammered on and, and the new and improved bears offense and all this kind of stuff. You know, I thought Justin Fields was going to take this big step. Okay. Anyway, sorry, we're not getting That's another discussion for another day. So, but they were certainly one of the surprises of the NFL with the way that they played. I don't think we saw Jordan love, you know, going for 303 touchdowns and, and all this kind of stuff. So again, they're going to get tested this coming weekend. And I want to see Okuda back on the field. Look, I, Trey Flowers had a nice camp, and he does some good things. I think Okuda is a special player. Obviously, his talent says that he's supposed to be special because, again, he was the third pick of the draft. Whether that's been reality or not is a different discussion, but his talent belies that he is one of the, supposed to be one of the better corners in the NFL. Remember, he was taking the same draft as, as uh, A.J. Terrell. So, again, I'm, I'm hopeful that both of those guys find their way back this week. Because again, I don't think it's going to be very easy. I don't, again, that you're not facing a rookie quarterback. You may be facing a young guy that doesn't have a lot of starts under his belt and doesn't have a lot of experience and things like that, but he has been in that offensive system. He knows that offensive system. This is not a guy that is a rookie quarterback making his first ever start. And he's, only been in the offense for just a few months coming out of the draft, right? Since sometime in April coming out of the draft. Like this is a guy that's been around for years now. And he's, you know, again, say what you will. He's had some tutoring and he's played underneath Aaron Rodgers. So there is something to that. And now he's getting a chance to shine and thrive. And again, some guys take advantage of those opportunities. Some guys don't, you know, sometimes those things work out really well. Sometimes they don't work out very well, but he obviously played very well on Sunday. 
and against whatever you want to say about the Bears. I mean, again, they they're not a very good team. Uh, they're not going to be a very good team. I know a lot of people have a lot of hopes for the Bears and Justin Fields and all this kind of stuff, and they're going to be a dreadful franchise. So it was a big win for them. But again, you want all hands on deck if you're the Falcons this week. You want as many weapons as you possibly can. And again, we need to be that 67% in the red zone. I need one of those graphics that that we we track what their red zone production is, you know, every Sunday. You know, we, we track about, you know, again, the three for three in the red zone. We track the production in the red zone because that's going to be the key. So having Patterson, whether he runs the football, again, he's a violent runner when you get near the goal line whether having him at running back or splitting him out wide or putting him in the slot, whatever happens, that's going to be a key. And then obviously have an Okuda who is going to be your starting corner. He's going to be your second corner. Again, you want as many guys that can cover people as you possibly can. As my buddy D-Led, said, D-Led says, you can't have too many guys that play cornerback and cover cover wide receivers coming out of the backfield, right? Or coming, you know, or lining up to, to catch passes or whatever can't have too many corners, right? Well, you also can't have too many guys that rush the quarterback, but that's another discussion for another day. But it looks like Okuda and Patterson, he said they're trending in the right direction. You feel pretty good. We'll know more, um, you know, later on today, as it is Wednesday. We'll know later on more today. And again, I think the real key will be if they practice on Friday, then you feel good about their playing on Sunday. They practice Friday, probably play on Sunday. So we'll see what happens over the next couple of days here. But again, it would be good to get those guys back on the field and have as many people available and ready to go because this is going to be a tough matchup when it's all said and done. All right, but thank you so much for making Hit and Hard your first listen. Be sure to go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. We thank you so much for being a part of our community. But let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to say, listening in five days a week. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll be back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 